and welcome to this week's edition of the Darwin Festival podcast. I'm Ben Valsler. This week, we'll be hearing how the science of evolution inspired the best-selling fantasy writer, Sir Terry Pratchett. Sir Terry Pratchett is one of Britain's best-loved authors. He's currently the second most-read author in the UK and has sold over 55 million books worldwide. He's best known for the Discworld series, satirical fantasy novels set on a flat, disc-shaped world that resides on the backs of four elephants who, in turn, are standing on an enormous turtle. It may seem strange, then, that a writer who is so well-known for being the creator of a fantasy world would take pride of place at a festival celebrating the life of Charles Darwin. But science has always inspired Pratchett. At home, he has both a greenhouse of exotic carnivorous plants and an observatory, and he has appeared on the BBC astronomy programme The Sky at Night. Alongside Professor of Mathematics Ian Stewart and Reproductive Biologist Jack Cohen, both from the University of Warwick, Pratchett has released three books looking at the science of Discworld, the latest of which, Darwin's Watch, explores a world in which Darwin had never existed. Darwin's Watch was the last, so far, of what we call the Science of Discworld series, an attempt by Jack Cohen and myself and Ian Stewart to use the Discworld as a lever to explaining something about how our world works. And one of the things we did was speculate on what the world would have been like had Darwin not existed. Now, this is a little unfair, because there there was a lot of speculation bordering on certainty for many, many years before Darwin. Indeed, his grandfather, Erasmus Darwin actually, you know, believed in in terms of of, hereditary and and natural selection. But Darwin, if you like, formulated it. So if there wasn't a Darwin, someone else would, you know, there were lots of other people around in that area. But it was fun just to wonder what would happen. And also it was quite interesting when you read about the voyage of the Beagle to see how nearly it didn't happen. There were so many places where it nearly didn't happen that it's just amazing that it happened at all. But frankly speaking, you could probably say that about everything. (laughs) It was an excuse to have some fun and and, and, and air some of our views. I think the most controversial one of which is probably that we are not really homo sapiens. We are pan-narrans, which is the storytelling chimpanzee. And the story that we tell ourselves is that we are homo sapiens. As for homo sapiens, we think that that might be a good idea. (laughs) You've touched on a very interesting point there because a lot of your work looks at the power of storytelling and the power of a story itself. Do you think that the story of Darwin and his adventures have actually contributed to the science? Well, the the whole thing is, once you look at Darwin, you realise that he wasn't the steely-eyed man that that walked round and the Galapagos saying, oh, well, that's that's that. Because some things he didn't notice. I think it was the um, British sort of representative on the Galapagos who pointed out that the shells of tortoises from different islands were different. Things were pointed out to him, and he wasn't all that good at keeping his specimens, as far as I can recall. But he got things right. And most importantly, I suspect, he overcame his religious doubts. I don't think he cherished the thoughts of atheism or what he was possibly doing to people's belief. And I think that's fairly clear in some of his writing. But nevertheless, he was right and he stuck to his guns. The Discworld novels are 
a very finely crafted fantasy world, but obviously they, they hold up a big mirror to us. Yes, as, and like most mirrors, it shows things the wrong way around. <laughs> and so that's why Darwin's watch, of course, is reflecting Darwin, but not quite as no. we would expect. No, one of the other nice things, I invented a fictional, rather incompetent biologist who could make things sound quite plausible. And he writes, not The Origin of Species, a slightly different book, which really introduces the idea of God having a little bit of an intelligent design. Yes, there is evolution, but God's there all the time, just changing it around. So it's really all about God, and it's just the seven days of creation being stretched out a little bit. And Darwinism caused a great fury in Victorian England. And perhaps it's just possible, one could speculate, that if there was this intelligent design theory of evolution at that time, just possibly the two sides, the church and science, might just have thought, well, you know, this isn't the best there can be, but it's got something in it for everybody, and we can more or less sort of live with it, and so we'll just, you know, shake hands on that one because it... It doesn't cause very much trouble. So in a sense, you could say the mediocre on both sides would say, well, this is good enough, whereas the hotheads on the other side would be left out in the cold. Of course, this is all making stuff up, obviously. But I think one of the reasons I did it was to change the history of the 20th century and also to make certain I got Richard Dawkins into holy orders. (laughs) Because... um, As you probably know, it wasn't all that long ago where you actually had to... You you took holy orders to go to university, whatever else you were doing. And in our alternate universe, Richard Dawkins actually writes The Origin of Species sometime in the late 60s. (laughs) And it takes that long. We speculated that Darwin's existence and the theory and what followed subsequently and shall we say, the beginning of the battle between art and science may have been responsible for the things that happened in the 20th century, good and bad. Possibly not as many wars, but possibly no penicillin. Different things happening. Again, this is a game that anybody can play. I mean, I'm sure you know that behind every um, creator of some scientific miracle are about 15 other guys all around the world that have been working on exactly the same thing or have done it already but forgot to patent it or whatever. (laughs) Individual men make great strides, as do individual women. But generally speaking, if they fail to do it, there is someone there that's going to do it for them. So writing Darwin's Watch allowed Pratchett, Stewart and Cohen to play out certain fantasies of a world without Darwin and with the Reverend Richard Dawkins. The Origin of Species, the one written by Charles Darwin in this, The Real World, had a great impact on the young Terry Pratchett. When when I was a little boy, I knew what God looked like. He looked like the first violinist in a symphony orchestra, but with with smooth-down hair and he didn't have a beard. I don't know why I thought he looked like that. But the moment I heard of evolution, it made absolute terrific sense to me because I'd look around and I'd think cats and dogs look pretty much alike. Why is it all this stuff looks alike? You know, look at everything. Hole in the middle, all the way down. Generally speaking, four bits, you know, sticking out, moving you around. Okay, there's spiders. (laughs) But even then, it's like there was some basic pattern that it all came from. And actually, I couldn't even articulate it when I was about five or six. 
but I was an incredibly weird kid. I've <laughs> been talking to me mum. Uh, so when my science teacher gave me his copy of Origin of Species to read, I took it home and immediately came down with flu. So I read Origin of Species in a fever, and it just burned away at me. And it, it was like as if I was reading gospel with the proviso, of course, that science is actually true. And science still inspires him today. I think what we forget is that we are, in some cases, literally children of science. I am alive at the moment because of science. You have the spectacles that you're wearing, and so do I, because of science. Practically every material we see around us is because of science. Yes, some of the stuff I'm talking about is technology, but the science came first. We have, in a way, become as gods. You can tell that because we're often stupid, we wrangle, we fight, you know, like gods do. But we ought to get better at it. You know, we cannot possibly turn our back on it because... It is not scientists that have got us into the mess we're in. It is stupid people who have got us into the mess we're in. Some scientists are stupid, some are not. Sometimes it's our greed that's got us into the mess we're in. Science could still save us. Sir Terry Pratchett, for whom the hope of the future lies in the progress of science and trying to avoid the pitfalls of stupid people. That's all for this week. There will be more insights from Cambridge University's Darwin Festival next week. In the meantime, there are more editions of this podcast available online. You can find them at thenakedscientists.com. I'm Ben Valsler. Thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>